Psalm 22 is an interesting psalm. Um, one thing I'll just notice or point out to you as you look at this, if you want to study this on your own, I, I happen to believe that the, this psalm connected to the next three or next two psalms, there's, a, there's an intentional connection. That's my opinion. You can agree or disagree with that. And we'll still be friends, but I think there's a connection there that we are Calvary's Hill on Psalm 22. There's a valley in Psalm 23. And then there's Zion's Hill in Psalm 24. Victory that happens in Psalm 24. I'm just going to look at Psalm 22 this morning. It's a psalm that sometimes called the Psalm of the Cross. I believe as you'll read it, we'll read a lot of it. We won't read every verse here, but we'll, we'll look at a lot of these verses. But as you read it and you hear it read, I think you'll hear the, psalm, the psalmist crying out. You'll hear his troubles. You'll hear his pains. But I can't help when I read it. If you've never read it before, I encourage you to listen closely as we read it this morning and pay attention to it because I can't help but hear Jesus himself saying these words. Uh, the English Baptist preacher of uh, several generations ago, Charles Spurgeon, he thought, and I kind of agree with him, that Jesus may well have been quoting Psalm 22 on the cross as he's in pain and agony, I think he might have been doing that. I, I, don't, I don't see why that couldn't be the case. He knew the Bible, he wrote it. Why wouldn't he have said that? He could have. If nothing else, it starts, if you look in verse one, my God, my God, why have thou, hast thou forsaken me? And then it, it begins with something Jesus said on the cross. You'll read that in Matthew. And then it ends with a phrase, while it, it's worded differently here, it says that he hath done this. It is saying it's finished. He's done it. It is accomplished. It is done. Jesus also said that on the cross. I bring it to your attention now because I believe, I mean, I was, as I tried to tell you, I was dealing with some things, some pains, some troubles, some sorrows, but I don't think I'm unique in that way. In fact, I'm probably just barely touching the tip of the iceberg, speaking of icebergs, that some of y'all have dealt with, may even still be dealing with. In fact, I know some of you are. Physical pain, illness. Some of you've lost possessions, things, family, friends. Some of you are dealing with shame and rejection. You feel like nobody cares. Nobody knows what you're dealing with. It might even be some of you have or will feel like you have even been abandoned by God. And you might even be questioning your faith. But I want you to hear the heart of Jesus in this psalm. I want you to hear what the writer of Hebrews says about Jesus in Hebrews 4.15. He says, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. All that simply to try to get you to see that Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He feels it. He's been there. He knows it. He understands it. He, he feels it in a way that nobody else can. He's actually been touched with it, it says in, Psalm, in Hebrews rather. And he can help you because he loves you and he cares for you. Would you pray with me as I begin to try to give you some thoughts from Psalm 22 
and ask the Lord to maybe speak to you about whatever it is that's maybe troubling you. Maybe he can talk to you in that way. Let's pray together. Lord, I need your help as I try to show these people what your word says. But your Holy Spirit alone is the one who knows how these passages and these words and these thoughts touch the frailties and the pains and the hurts that are represented here today. I'm asking you to uh, help me to be focused on what your word says and communicate that clearly and allow you to be the one who speaks to the hearts, changes the hearts, comforts the whole, the whole person in the soul. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus cries out in verse one, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from, my, from the words of my roaring? I know it's what the psalmist says, but I happen to believe Jesus would have said the same things. In fact, we do. If you go to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, that first phrase is literally word for word what Jesus says on the cross. And I say that, that this is Jesus's moment of deepest need. It's his moment of deepest need. He's, he's hanging between heaven and earth, facing an almighty God with the sins of the world on himself. And he is in this moment. He says there in verse, verse one, why art thou so far from helping me? Why hast thou forsaken me? God, his father, feels so far away in this moment. He is alone and he is forsaken. And it's as if, if you keep reading, oh my God, this is verse two. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. He says, it's not because I'm not praying. It's not because I'm not asking. He says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. He says, I'm asking, but it sounds like nobody's listening. If you know anything about the scripture, you know that Jesus dying on the cross with the sins of all of creation on him, was not a spur-of-the-moment decision. It wasn't a surprise to Jesus. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, he made himself of no reputation. This is something he chose to do of himself. We also know, as, as, as Isaiah writes, that, that this was something that pleased the Lord to bruise Jesus. This was something, as Peter writes, that it was done before the foundation of the earth. It was foreordained, he says, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. So here's Jesus standing between or hanging between heaven and earth before an almighty God who's, as it were, his back is turned to him. And he's feeling in his soul as if he is abandoned. But it's not news. He knew it was going to be the case. He's not surprised by it. But can I just go ahead and offer this to you? Just because you know it's true doesn't mean, or the way it's supposed to be doesn't mean, it doesn't hurt. Sometimes you know. I mean, can I just put it to you bluntly? You know that everybody in this room, we fast forward 100 years from now, there's not a soul that's in this room that's going to be alive. Now think about it. Between now and then, we're going to have funerals, and it's going to hurt. We know they're going to die, but there's going to hurt. Do you understand that? So don't let anybody say, well, there's always a plan. and there's all." Yeah, I know, but I'm crying. I'm hurting. This is where Jesus is. He's in this and it's, in, it's God's plan. But in that moment, he remembers God's faithfulness. Look with me in verse three. He says to the father, thou art holy. 
O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. He says, listen, I know that God, you are the kind of God who does deliver. You are the kind of God who does comfort. You are the God who has done this time and time again, and you will deliver. You will comfort. Right now, I'm I'm in pain. Yes, right now, I feel abandoned. Right now, I feel like you're far from me. But I'm going to trust your faithfulness, God, that one time, when it's time, that there will be comfort and there will be peace that comes. And sometimes God does feel, I, I can't speak to speak for y'all, I'll speak for me. For me, sometimes God feels like he's a million miles away. I know he said, I'm never going to leave you. I know he said, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know he said that, I, yay, I, lo, I am always with you to the end of the earth. He says that. I know that and I believe that. But sometimes, even though I know he's in control, Even though I know he cares, even though I know he comforts, I just can't feel it. And Jesus, I believe, knows these feelings of abandonment. When friends turn against you, when people you thought were on your side were not on your side. In fact, they're actually against you. When it seems like nobody cares. We need to do what he did to his father. We need to come to him. We need to say, listen, my prayers aren't being answered. I don't have a word from God. I don't have any clarity on what's next. I feel completely alone. But I know you know. I know you care. I know you understand. I'm just going to go to you and trust you. Now, can I, can I just level with you that sometimes when you're, in the, when, the, when you're in the throes of those pains, that doesn't feel like a comfort. But I'm telling you, based on God's word, that's the only hope you have. You have to go to him and he will provide that. He knows your abandonment. He understands that. But further, he also knows the shame that some of us are dealing with. Look at the next verse, verse six. He says, I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn and they shoot out the lip and shake the head saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Here's the psalmist, and I believe this is a reflection of what happened with with Jesus. He's mistreated and shamed. Literally treated as if he was subhuman. He says, I am a worm. As if he was subhuman. Mocked mercilessly. And you know this was true of Jesus. When he was... When he was beaten and they were, he was walking, they were yanking on his beard and they were spitting at him and they were mocking him, mercilessly mocking him. Even to the point where in verse 8 there, his faith would be mocked. That's what they did of Jesus. They said, hey, let him, let, him, let him take care of himself. They were mocking him. They were mocking him. They said in Matthew 27, they said to him, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. I mean, could you imagine in your darkest moment, people looking at you and mocking you and saying essentially everything you said was a sham and a lie. That's what they said of Jesus. I'm telling you that just to simply make sure you understand that 
Anytime you feel shame because you have been rejected by those that, that you loved, you've not been believed by those that should know better that you're not lying about whatever it is that they think you're lying about. When you felt the shame of being abused by someone, someone has done something to you that should not be done to anybody else. And when you feel the shame of even being exposed for your own sin, man, that's a shameful thing, isn't it? Jesus understands that shame. He understands that feeling. And through his shame, what he does in verse 9, the psalmist, and I believe reflecting what Jesus' mind was, look what his mind, in that shame, what does he do? He says to God, but thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. He says in that moment of shame that he knew that God knew him before he was ever even born. He knew everything about him. Can I say this as a side note here to you all? I know sometimes we, we carry around shame in our hearts and we don't want anybody to know about it. And I understand that. I, can, I feel that. So I understand. But did you know that God made you? He knows you on the inside. He knows the worst possible thing that we can ever imagine about you. He knows that. He, doesn't just, he didn't just hear about it from a friend who told a friend who told a friend. He knows it in detail. He saw every second of the footage. He saw it and he knows it. And I'll tell you, if that's all I knew about God, that would scare me to death. But let me go ahead and tell you, he knows it. And even though he knew it would happen before the foundation of the world, that Matthew Tilly would do that thing, say that thing, act that way, he sent his only begotten son to this world to die for me. Amen. That's what he did. He loves me knowing. He accepts me knowing what I am. Now, I want to make this, I've got to hasten to say this, because some people will take that and twist it and say, well, he knows what I am, so he leaves me as I am. He doesn't. He changes me. He transforms me. He redeems me. He takes me out of the miry pit and puts me on the solid ground. He changes me. But nonetheless, he knows who I am, and he knows what I am. And he loves me in spite of it. He comes to me in spite of that. My weakness, your weakness might make other people say, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I don't even like to think about that sort of thing. But it provides God that opening to work. Paul, uh, Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians 12, where Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul responds that when I am weak, he is strong. Don't run from God when you have shame. In fact, that's the very reason you need to run to him. Come to him. Know that he loves you and accepts you no matter what you have done, no matter where you have been, no matter who you have hurt, no matter what reasons, right, wrong, indifferent, when they look at you and they say, they, the world says this or that about you, you can run to the Father and he will love you. He does amazing things when you're at your worst. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God that we have. He knows your shame. He knows your abandonment. He knows your shame. But he also knows your pain. On the cross, you know that Jesus was, there's no, no finer point to put to this than he was tortured. He was, what happened to Jesus, I, I recognize it was something they did to a lot of criminals at that, in that era. 
And there have been bad things that people do to other human beings. I recognize that. But let's just say it the way it should be said. What was done to Jesus should not be done to any human being ever. It really shouldn't. But it was. It was. And the psalmist here, I think, reflecting in the Holy Spirit's uh, 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 wisdom is, is sharing with us the feelings, I believe, that Jesus would have felt. And he says there in, um, in verse 11, he says, Be not far from me, my trouble is near, for there is none to help. He's overwhelmed by his trouble. Y'all ever been there where you're in a mess? And sometimes I'm in a mess because of something stupid I did. But you're in a mess and you can't get out and you're overwhelmed by it. That's the feeling that I have in mind here. But he's overwhelmed by this trouble. We know that Jesus was perfect and he's not overwhelmed by something he did. But nonetheless, he's overwhelmed. It says in verse 12, many bulls have to pass me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. It's as if he's in the center of this, of, this, uh, of this arena and there are bulls all the way around him, but he calls them the bulls of Bashan. This would have been a place of demonic worship, idol worship. And he's saying these are demonic bulls all the way around me. That's what he has in mind. These are, these are terrible Satan kind of bulls. And later on in verse 13, he talks them about as lions being around him. In verse 16, he talks about being surrounded by dogs. Go down to verse 14. He says in verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. He says, I feel washed out. I'm weak as water. That's what he says. Y'all ever felt that? Weak as water, just washed out. After That's what he's feeling. He's in pain. Every bone and every joint, it feels like everything is out of joint. Everything is aching. There, even in verse 16, he talks about how they pierce me with my hands and my feet. He's got nails in his hands and his feet. And in that, that verse 14, he talks about his heart's like wax. He's, he's got such kind of pain. And, and I've not felt this kind of pain. I want to be honest with you. I've not felt this, but I've had, my wife has gone through some things where she's felt a lot of pain. And the way she describes it to me is something the way I imagine this. And I, I'm, please understand, it's, I can't, it's hard to describe somebody else's pain. You know, you can only describe your own. But I think the way he's talking about this is like, it's so much pain, it feels like you're going to die. It just feels like your insides have just turned to mush. That's the kind of pain that he's in. His heart is like melted wax. He's, he's hurting so bad. In verse 15, he talks about later on there that he's, his, actually, let's look at that. In verse 15, he says, my strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. He said he's got this debilitating, sickening thirst. He, he can't even, his, his mouth is not even able to, 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 to move. I mean, his tongue's not able to move. It's like sticking to his jaw. Verse 15 there, later on he says, thou hast brought me into the dust of death. He is at death's door. Verse 17, I may tell all my bones, so you can look at me and figure out where my bones are. They look and stare upon me. He says, I am emaciated to the point where I'm hurting, where people look at me and it's actually kind of embarrassing. There's, an, there's a visible shame. They look at me and it's like every bone is just sticking out. And then the, the, to make sort of insult to injury, look at verse 18. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Here he is in pain unimaginable pain. Everything is hurting. He feels like he's on death's door and they're over there stealing his stuff. 
taking what little bit he had, they're taking it from him. All that simply to let you know that Jesus has felt every aspect of pain that is imaginable and even some that's unimaginable to human beings. Emotional pain of being overwhelmed by enemies, by friends, by circumstances, the physical pain that some of you deal with on a daily basis of pure agony, whether that is terminal sickness or just temporary sickness or addiction or soreness in your joints just because you're getting old. He understands those pains. He understands those pains. He understands the social and emotional pain of loss. When we lose things, we lose a job, we lose homes, we lose money, we lose opportunities, we lose things. He understands that. He's felt it all and he understands the impact of it. But what does Jesus do? In verse 19, 20, and 21, he does the same thing that he does every time. Even though he's in pain, you know what he does? He cries out to the Father. You can help me. I can see that you can help me. I'm coming to you for help. All that's to simply say we need to come to him when we have our pains because he understands them. Lastly, and I'm wrapping up with this, I won't read verses 22 to 31, but in that passage there, what is happening is that Jesus recounts, or rather the psalmist, and I believe reflecting Jesus, is recounting the victory. This is where it gets good. I, I, I focused on the negative, so before I've, I've, I've spent all my time doing that, so I've lost my time, but I'm just going to be brief and simply say he recounts the victory. Can I, can I give you the victory as Paul recounts it in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2? God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All of that's to get you to the last verse, verse 31. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. He has accomplished that victory. That's all I want you to hear about that last little section. He's accomplished that victory. There, the, the penalty of sin was paid on the cross. The shame that we carry, the pain that our bodies are racked with because of the curse that is on this earth, all of those things were paid for on the cross. The pain of this sinful world was redeemed on the cross so that there is something to look forward to. I know that we're still in it. We're still in this world and we're still hurting and we're still crying and we're still, we're still abandoned. All those things, that's where we are. But know that he suffered ultimately to end our suffering finally. That's what has happened so that we can with assurance look at Revelation 21 and verse 4 which says that God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes and that there shall be no more death nor sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain. The former things are passed away. Why does that happen? It happens because Jesus knows your pain. He understands your pain. He paid for your pain. And it is going to go away one day at the end when he is making all things new. When that happens, that is, that is why he has accomplished that for us. So do you feel as if you're abandoned and nobody cares? Maybe you feel like you've been rejected or you're ashamed for some reason. Maybe you're in physical agony on a daily basis or maybe just right now. Or maybe you've been devastated emotionally or spiritually. 
I want you to know that Jesus understands and he will help you. I remember I mentioned at the beginning Hebrews chapter 4. I want to read that to you. Chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. I told you this. He says, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So we know this is who Jesus is. He's felt what we feel. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He says in the next verse, because that is true, let us therefore... Come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Are you in a time of need this morning? And you don't have to tell me. It's not about me knowing. It's about the fact that you are. And if you are, you say, yes, Lord, I'm in a time of need. Go to him and you will obtain mercy. You'll not find anybody that loves you more and will give you more of a break than Jesus. And you will find grace. You will find things at his feet that you will not find anywhere else in this world. Stuff that you don't even deserve and he will give it to you. That's the kind of God that we serve. He will give you mercy. He will give you grace. My invitation to you is come to Jesus. Come to him. You say, well, Matthew, I'm already saved. Well, I'm glad you're saved, but still come to Jesus. You don't don't get a break from coming to Jesus. That's the only hope you still have. That's That's the hope that you have is Jesus. Come to Jesus. Well, you may say, well, Matthew, I don't believe in Jesus. I want you to come to him too. And tell him what you think. Lord, I don't believe in you. Jesus, I don't believe in you. Help me. Whatever it is, you come to him. I promise you, this is what he has promised us. You come to him in faith and he will help you.